overall, it's being mindful, going back for, to the mindful. Mindful is my word. Um, educating clients, consumers, and my audience that it's a marathon and not a sprint. And that being mindful and authentic are key attributes to success. Hey guys, welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Wheel, and I'll be taking a deep dive into why people do what they do and what it is that drives them. I believe every single person has an active ingredient to them, aka a purpose, and all we have to do is uncover what that is and activate it. I'm looking at people across the board with fancy titles like editors and chiefs, founders and CEOs, to under-the-radar activists who are changing the world one person at a time. I want to get to the bottom of how they first discovered their passion how they channel their talent consistently, and ultimately, how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with fashion consultant and founder of Ready to Wear brand, sent to the label, Amy Sturges, that we actually recorded remotely with me being in Miami and Amy being in London. You gotta love technology for this. Amy is a true fashion expert in every sense of the word. She not only consults for some of the most cult-followed fashion brands, She's also taken her expertise and started her own line, Sent to the Label, that was inspired by summers in Spain with her grandfather. She also has a global perspective on the fashion scene with a background working in Dubai, London, New York, and LA, and has worked in-house on PR and business development with notable brands such as Pop and Suki, All Things Mochi, and current clients include House of Sunny, Paper London, Yolk London, Roop, and beyond. In 2019, Amy launched her own label, Sent to the Label, which focuses on creating mindful prints and pairing them with trend-driven silhouettes, while she was simultaneously continuing to grow her consulting business. And actually, right before this whole corona thing, she opened her first brick-and-mortar store in New York, so we definitely get into all of that. And I really wanted to have Amy on the podcast because she truly has her finger on the pulse when it comes to telling a fashion brand story in ways that really resonate. And she uses her expertise to not only lift up her clients, but also to tell her personal brand story, which I think is genius. And I think that it is just a win-win all around. And honestly, I just really love her because she gives such amazing and genuine vibes. And you can just tell she takes so much pride in everything she does and puts out there, which I absolutely love about her. On today's episode, we get into Amy's unconventional career path and why she decided to not finish university and realize that she learned better on the job, which I totally can relate to. We talk about how she pivoted to a heavy digital strategy amid the pandemic and how fashion brands could really use this time to connect to their consumer. And we talk about mindful fashion and how meditation has completely changed her life and perspective in business. So with that, let's get into today's episode with Amy Sturges. We got it. All right. So after extreme technical difficulties, (laughs) I finally have Amy Sturgis. She is in London right now. Hi, guys. Is this how you say your last name, Sturgis? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'm so excited to have you on and have someone from London to talk us through what the hell is going on over there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, How's it been? It's been okay. Um, I mean, I think everyone's feeling the same, not really knowing what's going on, when it's going to end. 
I'm very healthy and well, so that's cool. My family are good as well. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting time. I think I'm actually appreciating the time to slow down a bit and regather my thoughts at where I'm at, like in business and in my life. And we never really get that time. So I'm trying to look at the positives that could come out of it. Um, yeah. How about you? I mean, same. I think that I think what I feel is that before this, I was kind of like on a hamster wheel, you know, yeah. just doing things mindlessly and like just because I wanted to check boxes. And I think that now it's just making me reprioritize and really understand a why before I say yes to something and and really do things with intention, which I tried to do before. But I think that like nothing in life has ever put things so into perspective for everyone as this yeah. has. I would and I think that's the same. Yeah, I think that the same. I was on a crazy hamster wheel of travel. And actually, it's crazy. This is the longest I've spent in England for four years in one go, um, which is mental. Um, And I'm actually really appreciating it. I'm appreciating that I have a nice home and a nice space and trying to make that nicer. Um, And yeah, I totally agree with you. Reprioritizing, asking myself why I do what I do. Um, is that fulfilling? And yeah, I, I'm, I, I think like I'm in a happy place because also work is digital right now. So I'm very busy, <laughs> which is also good. Yeah. That's a huge blessing for sure. Yeah. I think I'd be Wait, good. So where, yeah, for sure. Where in London are you? So I'm in Putney, um, which is South London. Um, and yeah, I have actually, I'm living in a flat, which has been my family's for many years, which is awesome um and yeah I'm close to like Chelsea and all the kind of busy just a short train train ride away from Central which is good um but it's also a bit out of the madness which also keeps me sane I used to live very central and get very distracted (laughs) Mm, I got a time hop and this time last year I was in London and I'm really missing it yeah I really miss it where did you stay and what did you do Oh my God. Where did we stay? It was like in a very touristy area, to be honest. What's that main square? The Trafalgar? Trafalgar Square. Yeah. We were close-ish to there. Awesome. But honestly, like it felt pretty central. Like we got around really easily. But yeah. It makes me so sad. I'm <laughs> like, when well, is that going to be a thing again? You'll have to come back and stay with me when we can all travel again. Yes. Oh my God. I really, really want to. I'm like, I'm wondering if travel is going to be a thing of 2020. Like I, I don't think it is. I actually totally agree with you. I was having um, a conversation with someone yesterday who was like, do you think we're going to be able to get away before Christmas? It's crazy. I've been feeling the same way about New York. A lot of my um, friends are in New York. I spend a lot of time in New York. um, And this is also the longest I haven't been there for a good few years, knowing like that I don't know when I'll next be there. I had my whole, I'm meant to be in LA now. (laughs) Right. I don't think I think that it's going to be I personally feel I don't know when we're going to be able to travel it's crazy I know and like it's like I want to go I I live in New York so I want to go back so bad but I just can't physically see myself getting on a plane in some time like I just can't see myself getting on a plane you know same I also think that like even when the restrictions and stuff are lifted people are still going to be worried until a vaccine's released I, I think that people are going to be very cautious about going anywhere for the next 18 months, 
that's 100% personally feel I I know that I, I've been thinking about work-wise about Miami Cabana um mm-hmm. for to show um Cinta there and that was in the calendar for July and I don't think that will be going ahead and now I'm trying to think about September we just don't know and I guess we just have to listen and adapt as kind of news and educate like things come out yeah right so I actually want to touch on that and this is a different format than I normally do for active ingredient because obviously like pre-corona like this wasn't a thing (laughs) so we had kind of a structure to the show but I want to get into how this has affected your business I mean you launched in 2019 so and you've gotten such great momentum thank you how has this affected you you just opened a storefront in New York (laughs) which by the way major congrats it's a huge deal but like this obviously has taken a turn yeah and I'd love to know how it's affected your business um for Senta first and then we can get into um the PR stuff yeah. yeah so the major effect it's had is wholesalers and retailers and storefronts shutting down um a big majority of our SS20 collection either the orders have been cancelled or stocks being returned, or they've made a smaller order so that they can sell it in a shorter season when they reopen. Um, mm-hmm. That's been a like a big problem, uh, cash flow wise. Um, yeah. The other problem is we've been selling well online, and I'm very grateful for our co- consumers and community. But it has we've taken a twenty five percent. It's twenty like we've gone down twenty five percent a week on. It's actually not, I honestly would think it would be worse, yeah. to be honest. Um, I'm actually, I was pleasantly surprised as well. We're definitely selling more of items which are of less value. Um, the kind of $200 and above products, actually like the one I'm wearing, which, oh yeah, no one can see me right now. Oh, I'm going to screen record in a little bit. <laughs> but, um, but the kimonos, um, they aren't selling so well because they're slightly higher price point. I think also there are networks of consumers that haven't lost their jobs and that are at home browsing the internet. And we're just, we're trying as a business to tap into places we haven't tapped into before. Um, But yeah, the main effect it's had is wholesale and not knowing also what the calendar is going to be moving forward. Um, I briefly touched on the fact that we're meant to be in Miami in um, June. We were just about to hire a creative director. Um, my background's obviously consulting and PR. I'm not so technical on the design side. I think I've done an okay job building their concept and the brand. And as you said, we've built good momentum in the um, in the media and also with influencers. But design-wise and technicalities, and as we grow, um, I needed a hand with that. So I just employed someone really exciting, but we've kind of had to put that on a bit of a hold which is frustrating because, again, I want to bring her on board, but I have no timeline on when we're going to be creating a new collection or whether it is worth creating a new collection. I've been listening to a lot of business of fashion webinars and trying to take advice from expect, like experts and mentors of mine, but no one really knows. It's There's still a big question mark over it. So I'm trying to work on my strategy and change it. Um, I think something that we're going to look at doing is actually bring out new products, but remain seasonless for like the next six months. And once we know what's happening with the calendar, then we can think about going back on calendar and talking to the stores because we still need to survive. Um, So 
I'm really having to look at my strategy. It took me a while to get my head around it. Once you get over your initial shock of, okay, I'm now sitting on X amount of dollars worth of stock that I didn't think I was going to have and how am I going to move that? Um, I've now started to be able to plan because that was a bit of a shock and I was about to launch in a major retail outlet. So the the quantities that we've got were quite big. Um, but yeah, they pulled it. Um, but in other news, there are stores which need product because because of the way the manufacturing industry has changed through this whole pandemic. Obviously, China was closed. Asia was closed for a big amount of time. That affected us because we produce between Asia and London um, in two factories. So we were affected then and our orders were a bit delayed, which is why I think we got a few cancellations more than we should have done if we were on time. But now they've reopened and Europe manufacturers have have shut so stores are looking for brands that can deliver where they're where their brands who manufacture in Europe can't so we've actually had someone quite exciting approach us about when they reopen in June and asking us whether we have stock and I think they want to push small indie Instagram brands and they want to open with some freshness so there are ways of pivoting it We're also looking at Asia to sell our stock to some of the stores there because they've also reopened. So it's just strategizing and, I mean, being confident in what you're selling and knowing Uh that there is a consumer somewhere. But it's been been hard. I I wasn't expecting it to go this way. We're also meant to do a pop-up in LA. So we'd ordered X amount of units for that. We created a Coachella capsule collection, which we've completely pulled um, because we were thinking that maybe Glastonbury Festival or these other festivals were happening and then they all got pulled. So it has been a bit of a, it's been hard. It's been hard, like it was meant to be the year. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm sure it still can be the year. I'm not I'm not nervous about the brand in itself, but I think we need to make decisions, smart decisions. Our budgets are now a lot tighter than they were meant to be. Um, and that makes sense. everyone's having to but I also feel very grateful on that note that we're not bigger because we haven't had to put any staff on furlough we're still a very small team um we our manufacturers are open again we've I work my stockrooms in my house at the moment so I'm able to (laughs) say if I'm all like we're very organized our our um our post like our delivery service, they, they're picking up twice a week. So we're just trying to communicate with our audience as well when they can buy and how quickly they're going to get their product. Um, so even though it's been hard, I'm grateful that we are at the size we're at because we can make this work for us. I want to talk about just the way that brands are positioning themselves right now. And I mean, you're obviously a genius when it comes to this, you started your career in fashion consulting and like, I feel like you have your finger on the pulse on the right way to communicate these types of things. Um, I'd love to hear from your perspective on what you've been seeing that has been done the right way, what brands should be avoiding right now. And also like when you're at this mid uh, price point that you have for Senta, what is your perspective in the next few months on pricing? Yeah. Because I feel like I've been getting a lot of emails on discounts, on temporary discounts on the next 30 days. Yeah. How, and obviously every, every company needs to move inventory just like you do. Yeah. Like what's the most tasteful way to do it from a PR lens? I think, 
I'll start with pricing and then I'll I'll backtrack. I think in terms of pricing, my main thing from this is that when this pandemic ends, you still have to have a brand um, and you still have to, you can't damage your brand in the process and make big cuts in terms of percentages. And because that can, especially for Cinta at a young stage, that can really cheapen your brand in terms of discounting. It can make you feel, can make you look a little bit desperate sometimes, like you don't believe in your product. I think doing it tastefully, like this weekend, we're running 50% offline because it's Easter. Um, and I want to, I want, I, I do want to give my chance, my audience a chance to buy at a, a cheaper level during this time and support them. I think you shouldn't alter your brand values or your pricing because of the pandemic. I think you can donate a percentage back to doing something good for the community, for the, so I'll tell you a bit about what we're doing in a minute, but I've seen a lot of brands donating back for health heroes and donating masks. That's what we've done. We um, partnered with Mask Match in the US and we donated um, 3,000 masks. And then in London, also 2,000 masks. Um, That's amazing. So uh, we were lucky to be able to do that with our manufacturer in Asia and get them out really quickly. Um, we, I'm also running a collaboration with um, a bag brand that's actually one of my clients. We have some excess Cinta fabric. And so we're making some bags and the profits are going to the NHS care workers. Um, that's actually going to be online in a week. Um, and yeah, I just say like in terms of pricing, don't devalue yourself because of the pandemic, but also give back to your audience in a sophisticated way. Um, some of what we've been doing, obviously this is a bit of a secret, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> what we've been doing is some of our top, like some of our repeat customers that buy a lot, we've sent them some discount codes. We've been communicating with everybody a lot um, and being honest about our situation. Um, I think that's touching on pricing really. I'm not going to change my pricing or where my brand's at because of what's going on. And we're too young to do so really. If we dropped our prices too much, it might we might have to sacrifice a wholesale account or something elsewhere in the future. And I'm very much looking at this as, and I've been looking at this with consulting too. I've worked really hard and I'm sure you have as well. Same thing, worked really hard to get where I've got to and get the collective and the group and community of brands that I've got. And I just need to support them now and do what's right for them because we need to come out of this better than we came in. Like, I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose customers. I don't want to lose movement just because of the pandemic. So I'm trying to be very positive. I love that perspective. Um, I love it. In terms of communication. So I've seen some amazing things actually. And I know you work with Cindy from Chill House. Um, I don't work with her directly, but we work, I mean, we've collaborated a ton. Yeah. So she, I saw what she did and the way that she honestly talked to her audience. And I thought it was amazing. It was then also mm -hmm. on that someone picked up on it on this BOF um, business of fashion webinar that I was on. She was also on the news. I just thought the way I think in general, she commutes very well commutes communicates very well. <laughs> she commutes to work perfectly <laughs> commutes to work but I think in general she communicates amazingly with her audience on an I everyday, totally agree on an everyday um basis so I thought that that's someone that I've been watching that I'm really impressed by um things that I've told my clients to do are be honest with your audience 
um, be sensitive of the situation and what you're putting out there. Um, and an example of that would be, we have to, I don't think the word COVID needs to come up in every single post you do. I think that happy, positive content is what people want to see. Um, so I'm going to give you an example of a client that I'm working with and how we've pivoted it with them. So Paper London, it's a beautiful ready-to-wear brand. We had a lot of offline events planned. They were doing a trunk show in LA. We were doing um, a influencer dinner there. And they were about to launch their sustainable swim collection. And their kind of mantra is look good, feel good, do good. So we need to keep the story alive with that. So what we've done is we've created a series called the Paper Positivity Series um, on Instagram Live. Um, and for the next three weeks, every day at 5 p.m. UK, 4 p.m. UK time, sorry, um, there is someone doing a guided meditation or someone talking about the benefits of matcha or CBD or, or a whole array. We've got a full lineup. And I think what that's doing and what we're trying to communicate there is give something to our audience that they'll want to learn about that will help them get through this period. I think, as I mentioned earlier, we are so lucky. I, I'm so grateful that I'm so busy and I have friends that are struggling mentally because they maybe lost their job or they don't have as busy work life as us or they're on furlough or they live alone and they're not so comfortable in their own skin or self. Mm -hmm. um, and so through my clients and through the work I do, I just want to make, try and help and support people through this time that aren't so fortunate as me to be super busy right now and honestly yeah. I don't know where the time's going we're in the third week and I'm like is it really <laughs> is it really Easter Friday I totally forgot someone said to me Amy have a good weekend yesterday and I was like what are you talking about what <laughs> um so that's that's what um I'm saying also how you can see how you can support your community if you have the means to give back to the NHS or give back to the health heroes or do something good, do it. Um, don't hold back. Um, the other thing is think about what you'd like to be doing um, and try and translate that into creative content for your followers and your audience. And I think that's that's been like my main getaway. And also use it as an opportunity to strategize. Use it as an opportunity to rewrite your messaging. Think where you want to be in five years time. As you said, we get stuck on this hamster wheel of this fashion calendar and you can sometimes lose yourself to that. Um, so yeah, just remember who you are. And the most, the biggest thing is be honest with your audience at where you're at. I love that. Mm. So well said. <laughs> you're obviously such a pro. I'm, I'm definitely, loving it. <laughs> I am not a pro. I get so nervous, by the way. <laughs> no, you're incredible. But okay, well, that was super, super helpful. And I think for anyone in the fashion category, or just anyone that has like a retail product, I think that would be super helpful for them to hear. Yeah. Um, but I kind of want to take it back now. And this is this Ooh. is how the podcast normally starts. <laughs> um, and it's asking you what little Amy was like, what was Amy, like a little girl, Amy? What was your vibe? My vibe was I was very hyper. I was actually okay. very naughty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm the rebel hyper of the family. Um, I wanted to be a singer and or an actress. I, I think mm. my life when I was younger, I was always putting on some kind of performance. 
um, I, I'm from London, obviously, and I'm from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad founded a property company with his brother and my grandfather. Um, so that entrepreneurial streak has always been in me. My mom was an interior designer. She's since kind of moved into the property realm and helped my dad out there. Um, and so, yeah, I watched what they were doing and I wasn't super inspired by the property side. Um, they tried, <laughs> they tried really hard. <laughs> <didn't get> work. <laughs> They're still trying. Um, <laughs> um, I think the first time my mom actually just recently told me that, um, I'm doing a good job is Vogue picked up on the fact that Cinta was giving back and, I saw. and creating masks. And my mom texted me and she goes, Amy, that's pretty cool. And I'm proud of you. How did you do that so quickly? And I was like, hmm, you know when I why I'm not with you right now is because I'm in London working, hustling. Um, so yeah, so I was very ambitious from the word go, very com- competitive. I rode horses growing up. Um, that was a big part of my life, actually, until I was 18, um, kind of rode professionally. My little brother actually rides for England. Mm. Um, yeah, so he's an eventer. So that was in our family. Um, yeah, I was just very vivacious, um, as you can imagine. Do you feel like you're like that now? So, I mean, I see it and I feel like you are, but do you feel like there's been things from your childhood that have translated into what you're putting into your work now? I think 100%. I was always very creative and I think I had to find a way to channel that that worked for me. Um if I delve back into the singing and acting, that was what I thought that I was going to do. I went to alongside riding. I went to stage school. Um, I actually appeared in a Spice Girls video. I'll have to send you the link after this. <laughs> I need it. We're going to post it. It's actually so really funny. Um, little Amy was bopping around. But I don't think that that was necessarily so good for my mental health. Um I was quite anxious, even though like I loved singing and I loved acting. I needed to find a way to channel my creativity differently. Um, And that's when I started searching for different jobs that might work for me. And in a conversation actually with my godmother, who um, I'll briefly touch on, she is she lives in Dubai. I actually lived in Dubai for five years. Um, So cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that was so I moved back to London five years ago. Um, have also lived a bit between New York and LA since then. Um, but in a conversation, basically I moved from London to work for her in a kind of admin, admin property hotel role. She has her own business. And I, I just wanted to see the world. Like all my friends were still in university. I'd done a year, didn't think that was right for me. I just wanted to get on and learn the job, learn a job because I think there's no better experience than learning on the job and learning from mentors and people around you. And so I went and watched. I want to, I want to touch on that really quick just because I feel like a lot of people think that you have to go to college and I totally agree. I I did go to college and I did the four years. And um, the only thing that I learned really was that I was entrepreneurial through there because I, I mean, I started like two businesses, like, you know, like I, that's the only thing that I learned. Like, anything from actual school didn't work for me. And I just, I, I love hearing from people that have kind of an unconventional path and are still obviously super successful. How was that with your family? Like if they are academics, like how was that with them? And also 
Um, how did you have the confidence to know that you're actually going to be able to make it without the degree? So funny enough, my parents didn't want me to go. They mm. knew me. I, I'm, I'm academic in a bit of a different form, I guess. And I think entrepreneurs tend to be. So I, at school, knew that if I worked hard, I'd get results. And I think that that was my main taking. But I went to university, I think, for the experience. I didn't necessarily know at that point what I wanted to do um, in terms of career. So I went to discover marketing. Um, I So my parents were like reluctant, but they were like, Amy, you know how people take a year out? So in the UK, we have this thing called the gap year. So many people, like once they finish school, they take a gap year, they travel the world for like nine months and then they go to university that fall, like autumn. So so my parents were like, Amy, if you're going to go, go straight from school um, and learn it, but do a foundation so it's easy to leave. So I did a foundation in marketing and communications. um, And honestly... I loved the life, like I had such fun, but I wasn't learning anything. It was kind of, and everyone who knows me knows I like to have fun. Like I can have fun at a party, but at the end of the day, I I feel like I was drinking a year away of my life. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't very happy. I don't, I don't, we'll touch on this later and where I'm at now, but I, I'm not very happy in that being hungover all the time and and that was mm-hmm. what the university was. It was yeah. it was a year hangover. <laughs> Basically, Literally. that's how I felt. So I took the leap of faith and my parents, I was really lucky because my parents supported me in um, renting me a flat in London. And I started doing internships from that moment forward. And How did you know that you wanted to continue in the marketing um, role? I went from a couple of different roles. So I... Um, at this moment, I started singing in a band. <laughs> what? I didn't know. This was still the moment where I didn't know whether I wanted to be a singer in acting or in PR or really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to be in fashion or so- and something creative. So I was singing in a band called The 40 Thieves. And it was very fun. Again. I love that name. <laughs> Again, the lifestyle was a bit crazy. Um, And on the side of that, I was interning. I got the opportunity to intern with a brand called Tatiana Nika. It's a resort wear brand. It's still around today. Um, I'd say they're still kind of my mentors. Um, And yeah, I interned with them for nine months. And then I was still only 20, 19, 20. So people weren't really offering jobs to people with less than a year's experience I didn't really want to continue interning I kind of got to the level where my parents were like we're not going to support you anymore you've lived in London for a year you need to get off your ass <laughs> so <laughs> and I was I was I was working like two jobs I was in the band I was working in a bar and I was also doing the internship but that's like quite a hard life to live in London and so yeah. I that's when my godmother called me and was like would you like to come and try this job in Dubai I can pay you this amount. I think you'll learn a lot. If this isn't for you after three months, then you can go home if you want to, or you might like the Middle East and think that that's something that you might want to try for a longer period. So yeah, so that's kind of like the background. And then I, it was in a conversation with her that I, she thought 
that PR might be a good thing for me, having worked for her for three months. And that was a very admin-y focused role, a bit of hotel. I could see what my parents were doing, kind of. I think they called her to tell her to call me. <laughs> um, it was hotel, hotel and property focused. Um, and I wasn't very good at the admin, but they really enjoyed my help with work on events. And I really enjoyed that. But unfortunately, there wasn't enough there for that to be my full time job. So I actually right. said, look, like, I'm so grateful. But I don't think this job is for me. But if you don't mind, can I stay with you for a bit longer? Because I'd like to try and find a job in PR in Dubai. And that's what happened. Um, yeah, I met an English girl called Sophie Toe, who is still I have my two first mentors were my godmother because her work ethic is incredible. She taught me how to write a proper email. <laughs> oh my God, um, I love that. And Sophie taught me everything really I know about PR in its traditional form. Um, at that stage, there was no Instagram or re- really like yeah. influencers. It was the very start of the influencer kind of takeover. Such a different game, huh? Even, even five years ago. Oh my God. Even gosh. a year ago, honestly. Oh my gosh, such really like such, it was all about getting that press coverage. And Mm -hmm. it was also a bit about more like Facebook. And it it was, it was very strange, but I I remember so clearly going, I emailed her, I'd kind of read a bit about her in the Middle East. It's a lot smaller. So like all people in companies doing well, are kind of like small celebrities there. Um, So I kind of was stalking her, I guess, and sent an email and she invited me in for an interview and I got the job as junior account exec um, working on the fashion and lifestyle team. And that so it was an agency. Yeah, it was an agency. And okay. I, I worked for that, her for three years. I moved from account exec to account director. Um, and I worked across a multitude of clients from... Manolo Blahnik to Mavida, um, which is a nightclub to a polo ground it, it was so broad that I I it allowed me to understand where I wanted to focus and I think that's very important when you're kind of at that age working on a couple of different brands and a couple of different genres because then you can really figure out where you want to go and what works for you and what you most enjoy doing and I was really lucky that I totally in, agree. yeah in an agency you're able to do that right they they kind of exactly. chuck, they kind of chuck clients at you um and you're like okay I've never PR'd a hotel before but but especially especially when you're younger I, I I mean I feel super lucky in that this is our career path because I was also at an agency that had everything like fashion hospitality yeah. beauty food and beverage like everything and you get to see everything and it's kind of like when you're at that age and I also think this about college like when they're telling you to choose what you're going to do for the rest of your life I'm like how, how can you ask me to do that? I haven't even seen life, you know, like, I don't know what I like. No. I, I, I mean, sometimes I still feel that way. So it's like, how the hell can you ask me that? So when you're thrown into an environment that you literally see businesses from every single angle, yeah. that helps so much in, in understanding what resonates with you. So I'm assuming fashion resonated with yeah. you. Uh, fashion did resonate with me. I also think PR can be really, really, really corporate. Uh, yeah. And so different, like, different realms and different you know fashion travel everything is treated differently the travel account yeah. is very corporate the way that you report is very corporate the the amount of deliverables you have to get is very corporate the retainers the fees are a lot bigger it's like a machine 
Um, and I didn't think that was quite for me because although I work and subsequently we work in a corporate way and we report to our clients weekly and I think as I've grown, you you master what works for you and your clients. There's no right or wrong to doing it, but in these big travel and big nightclubs and big property things you're PRing, that was all a bit too corporate. I remember sometimes I like to wear eclectic clothing and if I was going into a really important meeting, Sophie would tell me, Amy, please make sure you tie up your hair and... Um, <laughs> And please, can you wear a suit today instead of a hippie dress? But then other clients, other clients loved the eclecticness that I bought and the energy and the personality. And so it was about finding what worked for me and the corporate side of it wasn't. I, yeah, I, I was, I was got pulled up a couple of times because of just like not wearing a corporate. That's so funny. So that was, was that the main job that you had that was as an employee in the PR world? Um, so I, after three years, I couldn't really understand whether I didn't like PR being completely Generally. or I didn't yeah. like Dubai. Um, and so I started looking elsewhere. The company also to PR that I was working for when I started, we were eight employ- eight employees. It had also grown to like 25 employees. So the environment there was becoming more corporate. And I think I'm very good at going into startups and really being a, I'd say I'm good at being a big fish in a smaller pond. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how, what I get off. And I, I do like, I always used to be the first one in, the last one out. But when there are 20 of you, that becomes slightly more difficult. <laughs> And my competitiveness was going a bit wild. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So I couldn't understand, yeah, whether I loved PR, hated PR, hated to buy one or the other. So I started looking for another job. Um, There was an an agency, a worldwide agency actually called Havas PR. Um, I got offered a job with them. um, And subsequently, at the same time, All Things Mochi gave me a call. Um, And that was my next job in Dubai so I didn't and that was a full-time job in-house and I didn't go in as PR actually Um, I went in as business development slightly did a switch and change but soon after working with her for a bit they got rid of their PR agencies around and I took over the PR as well so as business development and PR director don't you feel like now PR is kind of business development like I feel like the at least like the scopes that I'm doing now I'm like this is this is really moving a brand it's it's retail partnerships it's influencer marketing it's events it's like finding you the right places for your brand to live in like I feel like it's kind of it goes hand in hand now I totally I absolutely agree with you and that's why like I tend to call myself a consultant as well as that office PR, influencer marketing, digital strategy, business development, because I think, yeah, I think traditional PR, unfortunately, is not what it used to be. Um, totally. Right now, it's, it is funny you say that, because what we're working on right now is, I think, for the first time in a long time, just because of events offline being cancelled, we are focusing heavily on traditional and we're 
because journalists are supporting upcoming brands, but usually that PR is harder to get and influencer and digital mm-hmm. events, that's the easier part to do. So it's doing a, a semi-weird pivot again, which I'm finding um, funny. But I just said that on two podcasts ago. I was like, it's so interesting how, like, well, when this whole thing happened, I felt super paralyzed and I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah. every, the only coverage is Corona. Like, that's the only <laughs> thing that's happening. Like, I don't know how the hell any client is going to be able to cut through because the only thing that people are talking about are Corona. Yeah. But then you just understand that, like, yes, there's so many eyeballs on these media companies. Like, yeah. they need more content. So yeah. it's like, now is the best time to be pitching exactly. because they need it. The funniest one, actually, that um, we've been a part of is obviously, you know, the Netflix show Tiger King. Yeah. Um, so this morning, my friend, journalist, her name's Naomi. She writes for the Evening Standard. Great. Okay. We did a whole article based on um, what that. What's her name? That Shirley Back. What's the 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 woman? I haven't watched it. it. You haven't watched it. Oh God. no, it's anyway, so not my vibe. <laughs> It's not really my vibe, but I had to watch it because of all the fuss. <laughs> um, anyway, they did a whole feature on like Tiger King inspired wardrobes. And um, we got... That's too funny. And the headline, something like, I can't exactly remember. But yeah, anyway, one of our clients was in... That's there. your claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> really. That's too funny. Really, really funny. Um, so yeah, so they are still writing about cool stuff one we were in last week was like granny chic cardigans to wear during your working from home days so I think they're trying to stay on trend but keep it relevant as well right um what I'm finding there's also a lot of small business articles um about who you should support um totally most of our clients were um included including Cinta actually in a roundup by l.com on 100 brands you should be supporting um, I love that. The journalists have been, and I don't know if you're finding this as well, but have been really, really supportive. And I totally agree. And I think it's they're responding well when, I mean, because I feel like everyone's genuinely wondering if everyone's doing okay. Yeah. And like, I think if you're genuinely coming from that place and also just being of service, like you need content, right? Like yeah. I can come up with a super creative angle because that's like literally what yeah. we do. And we're like helping them get yeah. to where they have to go yeah they're I think that they're even more appreciative of that yeah now, like know? I'm sending I'm sending emails out going guys how are you how are you getting on this is what we've got this is what our clients are focusing on um yeah and just trying to communicate with them a lot we also did um isolation packs um I saw <laughs> uh, does that ship to Miami <laughs> yeah I should send you one um so we did that pretty quickly actually we Sent, oh, super impressive. We sent influencers and press um, working from home packs. Um, we did one send out like two weeks ago. We did one this week and we're doing one next week as well. And they have all sorts, CBD drinks, our own clients products in them. I've pulled in some other brands that I know because I'm trying to support also like smaller brands that I know and I'm yeah. friends with and, and helping. And all the influencers have been so supportive um, of that. And they've posted on their story, which keeps our brand stories alive. I've actually taken on a couple of clients to help with working from home dressing um, that have come to me, which is like, even though it's a difficult time, I think we are needed um, and putting out good content. And also I quite often post on my social media, on my own social media, what we're doing. Um, 
it's paying off. And so I'm going to continue to do these packs. They're super fun. I love it. I'm going to send you a Cinta gift anyway. So I'll have to send you, yeah. I'll have to send you some of the contents of what's in the pack. Probably not the CBD drinks. I think they'll get stuck in the sky. Or something. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. We need to do anything we can for it to not get stuck because I need it. But <laughs> I actually have a question about how you transitioned from working in agencies or representing other brands to knowing that you wanted to have your own because it's something that I I do love what I do and I love representing things that genuinely resonate with me but I do sometimes feel like I work all day to get these brands off the ground yeah. like I wonder what it would be like to have my own brand and like be able to use all the skill sets that I do have to get that off the ground too yeah. and first part of the question is when did you figure out that you wanted to have your own thing Mm. Second, like, are you pitching yourself or do you have someone else pitching Cinta for you? Oh, so when did I know? So I have always wanted, I've always wanted my own brand, but I think I hadn't found a purpose for it yet. And I hadn't found, I hadn't found the meaning of it. I knew I wanted to be close, but I, I hadn't got there yet. Um, and actually for me, when I figured that out, that's when it happened. So I started a bit on a wellness, spiritual, mental health journey about two years ago now. And that's when I figured out that I wanted to create clothing that has a meaning behind it and that can be mindful. Um, And yeah, that's when it started. And I think I'd also started to surround myself with entrepreneurs that were starting from an early stage, um, also talking about raising money and investment. And that had always been a very scary conversation to me. And actually someone came to me wanting to invest in me doing a brand, um, which was the starting point of it. Right. Um, And I'd already got all the cards drawn. I'd already got the first collection made, but I knew that I couldn't start it without income because consulting stands on its own um right and um so yeah so that was the moment that it started to happen um and it hasn't been an easy journey I definitely needed more financing than I thought I needed um I I didn't really have any background in budgeting or that side of the business so there are point parts of it that have been slower um but I think what I had was the confidence in the idea and the brand um and that has enabled me to grow it. And I'm still learning. I think it is very different consulting on other people's brands and selling their idea to selling your own. There's, it's nerve wracking. I have so much confidence. I know. I want to hear, I want to hear, I same. I, I, I can't imagine because I have all the confidence in the world to pitch my clients, but I can't imagine pitching myself. Yeah, you know? reality is, is that it's really hard and I'm finding... I'm finding that hard and that's that's a that's a bit of a battle I have with myself um and yeah but I'm growing the confidence and I'm now growing the skills if I'd have learned what I know now I think I would have started it in a different way um really yeah in in the sense that I would have raised more money to begin with invested more in digital marketing straight away um I'd actually have launched with the store, with going into a store and then on my own online at the same time. Really? Yeah. Um, Why? I just think there's a lot of competition. And as you were talking about cut through, it's hard to cut through. And I've been so lucky in where I'm at 
and the relationships I've cultivated that I've been able to cut through. And a lot of people have written about us being emerging. And all I can say is watch this space because I've learned a lot and it's going to get better. There are things, as I was talking about earlier, the design side of the technicalities, the manufacturing, we've, oh my God, the manufacturing issues I could talk to you for a year about. Um, like, How long did it take from idea to first oh sample? God. Well, the samples were actually perfect. It was then the manufacturing at a big quantity that like quality started to change. Like our first run, we had to, we had to send back. I mean, I'm going to show you, but in my living room, there is a whole load of fabric because like you can see it. Oh over my God. Because I got messed around from a manufacturer who essentially said that he was producing clothing for six months, only had printed the fabric. We paid him up front. He never delivered it. Um, we're so still, is, that a, is that a tangible takeaway? Don't pay up front? Don't pay. Well, I, I think contracts and negotiating terms and I'd actually got introduced to him. I think go with your gut. Um, and yeah, I think just like the design side and the technicalities behind it and the logistics and ops on having your own brand and the things you need are quite insane. Um, and it's even harder work than consulting. <laughs> That's what I wanted to ask. Like, how do you compartmentalize and like, so did you continue to have your consulting agency at the same scale or were you like, okay, I can only dedicate X amount of hours to consulting. So that means I can only have four clients or mm. how, like, how do you attack it? So it was really funny actually, because consulting when I started Cinta was in a different period of its life. Um, it had just started in its current form, I guess. Um, I just start, stopped watching, well, stop watching. I just stopped working for Mochi um, and I had started consulting whilst still working for Mochi. She knew about it. And that's when I also worked for Pop and Suki and some other cool brands. I consulted for an agency in LA for a bit. Um, but in its current form, it, it kind of launched the same time as Cinta. And I hadn't really got the clients that I really wanted. People were coming to me for a copy paste of stuff I'd done to, for other people and not really willing to invest the time or understand or invest the time and money and understand that it doesn't take five minutes. It took me five years to get Mochi to where it was. Um, and that was starting to have a negative impact. Oh my gosh, sorry, the noise out. Oh my God. <laughs> it's nice to hear some life in London. <laughs> that was starting to have a negative impact on my mental health a bit, um, make me kind of judge what I was doing and the contacts I've made, just purely because the expectations of clients, and you probably go through this as well, was just too much. Um, but I think I was talking to the wrong people and the wrong audience. And what happened after I launched Cinta is I got Paper London. Um, and then I started work, like, I'm not gonna lie when I'm saying this, I'm so happy with what we've cultivated now and where we're at now. We have a beautiful group of independent, upcoming, ready to wear designers, a couple of accessory brands. They all sit so nicely alongside each other. So I think when I launched Cinta, consulting blossomed as well and the way I consulted changed because I think I started to work more authentically um because I knew the real hardships and the ins and outs from the behind the scenes brand perspective um 
And yeah, the split of time is one that I'm still working out. Um, I am a really early riser. I I try. I've been trying to do the before five a.m. club. Um, oh my god! Which, still, um, still. <laughs> um, so I find it a lot easier, like now that it's light in the morning. Um, and I, but in the winter, I was doing six a.m. So I started five a.m. again. Um, my time in the morning before eight thirty a.m. is center time. Um, so I I wake up, I meditate. Um, I, um, do all my shit, make my matcha, do all that. And then it's, it's center. And that's normally like ops orders, packing orders. Cause we pack from my house, um, going over the customer service emails. Um, and then throughout the day, kind of, it works hand in hand because PR wise, you asked me about pitching. So I obviously have a PR assistant, um, that works for me on, um, on consulting side and she pitches to influencers but I do like the journalist work um quite often actually the journalists are really kind and they know that Cinta's mine so they'll come to me um but and I'll also I know you know as well I figure out so in terms of like now what we're doing with this exclusive bag collaboration we're doing to give back to the NHS we want to create hype so we can raise as much money as we can I already know who I want to give the exclusive to. So I'll just drop them a little email. Um, but I, I don't find that, weirdly, because I've worked with them for so long, I don't find that right. weird. I find talking to consumers weird and the people and the people buying my product. And that's something that I really need to change. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I get nervous. It's it, it, it's a whole, it's a, it's a, it's a personal thing. Like, it, it's, I love my product, but it's very personal. It's very, it's a piece of me. Like this garment is a piece of my brain and a piece of me. And I never understood why when I was working for Mochi, I, a great mentor of mine, um, she used to get anxiety around collections and seasons, as does everybody. I I know they do. And I I didn't, it's a different type of anxiety. It's like a weird, like exciting. It's very weird. It's different to that prangy anxiety. I think I understand what you're saying. Do you know when anyone asks me, yeah, yeah, yeah. When anyone asks me about Nude Nation, I'm like, I I kind of freeze and I like, don't even know what to say. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it's an agency. Like we're a communications agency. And I kind of like stop there. And it's, I I don't know where it comes from. Like, I don't know if it, I I do believe in what we do. So I don't know. I don't know what that kind of pause is, but I think it's exactly what you said. Like it's a part of you. So it's like, you're literally putting the most vulnerable side of you. Like you're creative, you're, it's your baby. No, it is. It is. It's totally, it's vulnerability, which is the weird. Yeah. And I sometimes get it with clients as well. Like some, a celebrity rep was emailing me like, actually texting me two days ago like someone that's really helped me in my career and every time they message me I'm like I get this like weird anxiety but it's like I have to be so careful about what I'm replying I'm like what is wrong with me they're just human just communicating with humans (laughs) but it is crazy because like I had a consumer this morning um right under a picture being like I wish to own a center dress one day 
And that makes me feel like sad and awkward that like maybe she can't afford it right now. And I was really like, took me like a while to send a reply. And sometimes it does because you do like going back to like how people are communicating now, you never want to offend somebody by saying the right thing, wrong thing. You never want to say too much. Um, So I sent her heart on the thing and then I sent her DM because we've got a bit of a sample sale going on and said, listen, we have some samples if you'd like to buy it at a cheaper price. That I find that I find difficult. It's it's weird. It's something I'm still getting my head around. Do you feel like you always want to consult and have Cinta at the same time? Or is it do you want Cinta to stand on its own and have and have that be an entirely I mean, it does stand on its own right now, but you're doing both at the same time. Like, do you want to put all of your energy towards that? Um, the answer, I think, is no. Right now, um, you never I take day by day. Um I take it day by day. We just raised money. Um, so things will slightly change in the next few months with Cinta. And a bit more of my attention is required on um, the finance and the planning and the strategy. And when this new creative director comes on board full time, um, that's going to be interesting. Um, so not right now. And actually, the investors love it that I have consulting too. They love what I've been able to do in terms of PR in a short period of time. Um, so I don't think so. I think that maybe in terms of like team, um, I think I have quite juniors right now on consulting and I kind of head up every account. I don't know how you work, but I, 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 I'm a bit protective there. Like I'd rather have less clients and be more involved, um, and work work on a bigger scale than have 12 that I can't speak to every day. Um, so right now, I'm happy with where it is. Yes, I do need to dedicate more time to Cinta in certain areas. And I'm aware of that. And that's something I'm trying to actually use this time to do. Um, I think, I think, yeah, but I'm I'm happy with both. And I hope to always have both. I think they'll change in their forms. Um, I think consulting might change in its form. Um, I don't want to be a big agency. So we have a nice amount of clients now, um, but I don't think, I need to keep it where it is. It's not going to grow. You're not going to suddenly see me having 40 clients and 40 people working for me. Um, Because that... I I, I honestly don't want that either. Like managing that many people stresses me out so much. Like I'd rather have a tight-knit group. And I I mean, I'm sure you do too. Like we love what we do. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to grow something just for the sake of scaling it to then not be able to touch everything. Like there's a reason I want to be working with you. It's because I want to spend time and grow your business, you know? And like I have my brain be a part of it. Yeah, I totally know? agree. And that's what we're that's what we're about as well as we're talking about consulting and not just being a PR and business development. We've we've got plans with some of these clients for the next two, three years. Obviously they've slightly pivoted. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy with where it's at. It it won't grow into a big agency. I want to do good for less rather than more. I think I've I've learned that I'm more valuable. That's a big takeaway, actually. I'm more yeah. valuable on a small with less clients than I am with more because it's hard to manage. It is really hard to manage. And same that you say about a team, like people are difficult, man. Wow. And it's it takes up so much time. Team, it really does. Team's been a big one for me. I think I'm very flamboyant and I've turned into a bit of a control freak as you do when you have your own business, especially now that it's really, really where I want it to be. I'm very protective. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I'm really proud of my team and where they like super proud, even through this time, they've really adapted really well. Um, But yeah, a lot of people. Wow. I love that. You said something that that really impacted me because like I said, like I've definitely thought about having my own something at some point. I don't know what it, I have absolutely no idea what form that's going to take, but I've always had this fear of like really loving what I do and not wanting to sacrifice it. And and the fear of it not working for my clients. Like if they're not comfortable with the fact that I also have my own thing, but you nailed it and saying like, no, like the clients that you're working with, like there's no better person for them to have kind of guide them because you know it from the ends now yeah like you literally know exactly what it is like if you hired an agency you know exactly what you'd want you know but you are the agency so (laughs) um it's it's a win-win they I'm very careful with what I put out on social media um I'm not gonna lie there um I don't want my clients to think that I'm not focusing on them uh But I also, through Sint, have created opportunity that they've also got too, you know? Like now, if a store messages me that I also think might be a right, might right good for a client, um, sorry, might be a right fit for a client, I'll forward it to them. If we get an opportunity for a pop-up or an event or there's an interesting article, I'll always forward it. Likewise, if a journalist co- contacts me about Sinter, about a party dress to wear, and they're doing a feature on that, then I'll plug all my clients in there. Like it works. Likewise, it it works really nicely together. And we're not, not in competition either with any of my brands. So I think that would be a different story if that was the case. So smart. Mm. So I want to talk about also the fact that you said that you always wanted your own brand, but you were looking for the right thing and something that felt like it had impact. Yeah. Um, I want to understand how the idea for Cinta came to be and like what is the deeper meaning to you of the brand okay so I briefly touched so I think almost around two years ago actually after launching Cinta I think I had a bit of a burnout um as we all I think a lot of people do we I've been I've now been working for 10 years in this industry had never really had a proper break and started to lose myself a little bit to it. Um, And that's why I kind of say like, I've been consulting now for almost five years, but like I'd say in its current form and the business in its current form, it's been like a year and a half. Um, I was going through a period of my life where I was anxious and looking for ways to to get over that. Um, And that's when I started looking for meditation, spirituality, looking more into like my star sign and what my attributes were and working with them. And so it started by kind of going from there. So what was the theme of the collection going to be? And I actually, the Taurus print, which is my star sign, was the signature of the collection. Also, I knew I was very inspired by Spain. So I grew up there. My um, my grandfather, who was one of my biggest inspirations and also was an entrepreneur, I was super close with him. He was very flamboyant and also dreamt of many more things than he did. But that, you know, I was super inspired by him. I just got goosebumps. What? <laughs> I, was super I, just inspired. Got goosebumps. I was super inspired by him and also what he'd built, like I'm living in a flat above where 
his estate agency was. He has a realtor property company now. Like he, but like he was amazing. And so I wanted to pay a bit of tribute to him because I think I do have him in me. Um, and I was very inspired. I always used to dress up in the flamenco dresses when I was younger. So I wanted to combine that inspiration to something that I was going through personally on my own life journey. Um, so yeah, so once I had figured that out, that that is how it started. And now it's evolved. I think when I, I'm going to be really honest, when I started the brand, I was at a point where, as I said, I don't think I had necessarily the right clients. Um, I was adhering, I was being reactive. I was adhering to what was coming to me for what I'd done for other people, not really based on my talent or strategy or people really trusting me. Um, and so I generally um, was a bit unhappy. Um, and so I really wanted something for my own. Um, and I thought that if I'd done it for other people, I could also do it for myself. Even though I was still consulting, I still plan to consult. Um, those are the reality behind it. So I maybe started at a point where I was feeling a bit frustrated, but it's evolved into much more than that. The brand now, like all of our prints have a meaning behind them. So the smiley face is because you should always wear a smile. A mm-hmm. smile can make someone, a smile can make some. Smiling can just make someone's day. If you smile to yourself, you instantly feel happier. Um, the rainbow print is um, because my parents always used to tell me when it's dark, look for ra- um, when it's dark, look for stars. When it rains, look for rainbows. And I love that. And actually, I got inspired. Aww. I didn't want to do like a normal rainbow, but I got, got inspired by this children's dress I found in a vintage store. And there was a cloud with a rainbow coming down straight out of it. And that was where I got the inspiration for that print. And then music as I said earlier, has been like a huge part of my life. I listen to music all day long when I'm working. My team laugh because I always dance whilst I'm typing like a crazy person. Um, So the Cosmic Love dress was um, inspired by Cosmic Love by Florence and Machine. Um, And so that was kind of the first collection. And then it grew from there into the smiley faces. The tie dye is based on so last year I did studied Vedic meditation and that's also been a huge change of who I am personally and the way I work and my life and I think I've just become way more intuitive and so Mm -hmm. it's purple and green because your head chakra is purple and your heart is green and them together so it was called the chakra print um we also have we also have the actual the multi chakra print which is all the baby chakras in multicolored dots um so if you look really closely it looks like a cool polka dot it's in the current collection actually but that's the chakra print and now what we're going on to is really cool i can't really can't really tell you but the next so it's kind of where i'm at and with that because of these mindful prints i've been able to partner with mind charity um we um um, partnered with a charity in New York called Maps. So I did a collaboration for mental health awareness um, on T-shirts with two friends of mine um, whose mantra is "It only gets better." So we did T-shirts and we gave profit, this. I gave this. the profits back to Maps and um, Mind Charity. And I want to make the make people feel positive and spread an authentic message through the work that I'm doing whilst working in a semi-materialistic world. Um, So it's very important that, and I was having a conversation with Baron who actually um, 
who is one of the It Only Gets Better guys. He actually works for Convicts in New York. They've just done, I don't know if you've seen the New York Tough video. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely have. But he's amazing. And I was having a conversation. We went to Oprah 2020 Vision whilst I was in New York in February and together. And I was having a conversation with him. Is that the one that Michelle spoke with? Oh my Oprah? God, it was I've listened to the podcast version of that, I think, over three times already in it, full, it in its entirety. Pro- it was probably one of the best days of my life. I'm not even joking. I skipped Fashion Week for a day and I, I was in New York and it was crazy that it was happening when I was there. And her soul sessions, her soul sessions were like my favorite thing to listen to. Um, and so, yeah, so I was having a conversation with him about it's it's. I have I have to be so much more mindful now that I'm on this mindful journey to make the make my brand mindful but it's made my work so much different ever since like I've been on that journey show up differently yeah you show up differently the way that you interact with clients is differently the way that you write an email is differently the way that you expect things from your team is differently like it just changes so that the entire vibe that's I finally have found that in Cinta and that's it's hard because I would like to go and sometimes my brain kind of goes skew and off and I want to go and create a swimsuit but that's not the brand and if it is the brand then it has to have a mindful message behind it so actually it is a really good time now for me to strategize where it's going to go for the next three years um and I think that it's going to be creating mindful products um and making it. everyone feel positive behind them and I we've done a lot of like um on our social media a lot of inspiring women I'd actually love to profile you as well I'm gonna talk to oh you my god um I would love that but we've done a lot of that and I look at how I work with the brand and what I most enjoy and it's and it is giving back in some form so what that's going to be in the future I don't know but um yeah so that's how I came to kind of realize that it was the right time I love that so what would you say out of all the things that you're doing is like the deeper meaning? Is it is it to give back at the end of the day? Like, is that is that what your deeper um, my answer to the active ingredient? Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking about this and I think it overall, it's being mindful, going back for, to the mindful. Mindful is my word. Um, educating clients, consumers and my audience that it's a marathon and not a sprint and that being mindful and authentic are key attributes to success. Um, I think me being mindful has changed the way I work, has changed the way I look at my relationships, has changed the way I look at my well-being, and has really changed the way that my business runs. Um, and I'd I'd really just I advise people to be mindful, even brands that I'm working with. Um, I tell them like honestly, you don't need to put out so much all the time. You need to just put out authenticity and authentic content. And so often, and you've probably been through this, people get sidetracked by what another brand is doing. Another brand's showing at fashion. Stay in your lane. Stay in your your lane is my biggest, (laughs) is my actual biggest word, um, my biggest phrase. Um, My friend Zoe actually called me yesterday and was like, Amy, just remember, you told me to stay in my lane, so stay in yours. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were just talking about what was going on. But um, yeah, I had this conversation with a client in February after Fashion Week and another brand 
one of their competitors, I'd say, had done a huge fashion week experience and there had been, there was a collaboration and there had been press everywhere. And she sat down with me and she was like, how can we make more of a buzz? And I was like, we've got an influencer trip coming up. We've got, you know, like people were impressed by you doing an influencer trip. They haven't done an influencer trip. You're a resort brand. They're a ready to wear brand. Like people can get so consumed by what's going on around them. And by me being more mindful, it's made me, I think, I hope that my clients have become a bit more mindful too. I love that answer. So amazing. <laughs> so the whole point of the Active Ingredient Podcast, well, there's two two main points. One is that I love talking to people like you <laughs> and asking all the questions and just being able to be as curious as possible. But the second half and really like the, the reason I started it was because I wanted for the person who is just so lost, like the person who really doesn't know what to even ask themselves right now on what that is for them. Like they may see you and see like what you're doing, what you're putting out there and are inspired by you. And they want to have a life that's that vibrant also, but they don't know what to ask themselves. What advice would you give to someone who's just like entirely lost? I think there are a few things taking time for yourself. Um, if you can, and if you can learn to meditate, meditate, it's done amazing wonders for me. Read up on what your dream job might look like. Uh, find mentors or people that you're inspired by and reach out to them and ask for their advice. I think being inquisitive is key when you're when you're a bit lost. I really also think that reading is a great thing as well. Um, I think educating. Great answer. No one said that, but I totally agree. I think think, reading is a really good one. Like all of what I know, honestly, is because I'm inquisitive and I read. And I didn't know even when I started business development, I didn't really know, but I bought a book. Um, It still sits on my shelf and I can see it now. It's the design. (laughs) It's the designer survival guide um, written by Diane von Furstenberg. Um, Mm. And is it or is it someone else? I think it is Diane von Furstenberg, but whatever. The point is, is that I still go back to that when I have a question to myself and I, I love can that. it somewhere. So read. Amazing answer. What is your literal active ingredient? That's how I close the show. Something that you have to eat, do, it could be meditate. It could be anything that you have to do every single day to feel like you've got your your shit together I feel like we've so touched on the word meditate and (laughs) mindful but it is meditate um my life has changed in a year and a half I'm I I feel like a different human I am so happy I don't require validation the way I used to um certainly not in this industry I feel really good from it um and yeah so it's meditate I meditate twice what type Vedic so I learned Vedic in New York. Um, my Was that the one that they teach you a mantra or they, yeah. they give you your own yeah. mantra? Okay. Yeah, they give you your own mantra and she's... Mantra. And it's sacred. You can't share that, right? No, you can't share, share that. My teacher's beautiful. I still see her whenever I go to New York. I'm actually hosting an Instagram live with her um, on Tuesday. You should tune I'll in. I'll tune in. Um, yeah, definitely. She is amazing. No, that that and it might sound cringy, but like honestly, it has changed my life. Um I I Not actually So you've probably heard of like the Big Quiet um mm-hmm. and those guys in New York. Um I've come to meet them and I was at um 
I was at drinks in New York and one of them, Baron told me to explain to like them like what meditation had done for me and I cried. <laughs> oh, stop, I, you're so cute. I think I told I mean, same. It's completely changed my life too. Like it, it's I don't do Vedic even though I really want to try because every single person that has done it has said it's a complete game changer. Yeah. Can you do twenty minutes morning and night? So I do 20 minutes in the morning and then 20 minutes and my team do think I'm mad, but I do 20 minutes at about 4 p.m. Um, I can't do it in the night because I then can't sleep because it kind of gives you a re, because it like revitalizes your, energy. your body and your energy. I just can't sleep if I do it too late at night. And I'm really frustrated right now because with all these pandemic, the big quiet and all of these guys are doing meditations from New York every day at like five New York time. I'm like, guys, I can't choose. It's like 10 in the UK. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. What yeah. You, what I, I need to do? look into it. What type do you So do? I do guided. I do guided right now. And like, sometimes I'll, if I don't want to do guided, I'll just breathe in for four, hold for four, exhale for six or seven, like yeah. depending on however I'm breathing that day, I guess. But, um, I like Melissa Woodhouse meditation. I love her. And and I like Insight Timer. I have Insight um, Timer. Those are the only ones that I use, but I really want to get into Vedic because I hate that, like, I do it first thing in the morning and I hate getting my phone to use it. Yeah. You know, like, I just want to, I just want to do it without having yeah. technology. I am. Um, and I, that was what didn't sit well with me. Like the thought of like headspace and, and, and relying on technology for something when you're meant to be just with yourself. Um, I'm going to connect you to Joe. Exactly. I'm going to connect you to Joe. She's amazing. And Please there's, do. There's another um, person that I, you must know of, Gabby Bernstein. Um, I, yeah. Honestly, her books have also resonated amazingly with me. And she's she just did this amazing hour kind of like how to deal with the pandemic course. Um, I'll send you mm. the And okay. it's all about like breathing. They're, basically, she gives you six techniques. And they I've listened to it about in slight wobble moments I've <laughs> I've listened to it about 10 times now uh, oh my god yeah, I yeah would, send it for sure if anyone can meditate um and or learn to meditate or has the means to meditate I'd strongly recommend it amazing where can everyone follow you where can everyone follow your brand um so you can follow me at amy sturgis um s-t-u-r-g-i-s on instagram tend to put out like consulting work personal stuff on there and then you can follow Cinta at Cinta underscore the underscore label um and yeah um I hope Cinta you... is c-i-n-t-a yes thank yeah, you right? <laughs> amazing Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you can take two seconds of your time to rate and review us, it would really mean the world and help us out a ton. If you guys want more inspiration and quotes from the episode, you can check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.